And there's that moment where you're going, oh, if you're being so bipartisan, is there a moment where you're actually going to work together towards any goal? You know, whatever the goal is, are you going to have a discussion with the person who voted Brexit? If you've decided that is it, you're a bigot, and, and then all you're going, going to talk be... to you. Yeah. yeah. Welcome to the Brown Don't Brown podcast with your host, Tanya Hardcastle. We're here to engage in a thoroughly inclusive conversation with women from different backgrounds, shaped by our cultural, racial, and social experiences. We share our stories. Good evening, fellow podcast listeners. On today's episode, we're talking about feminism and political correctness. Have we strayed too far? I'm delighted to say that I'm joined here today by the lovely Ellie. Thank you very much for coming on today. Thank you for having me, Tanya. To begin with, we can start off talking a bit more about your background. So do you want to just tell the listeners a bit more about yourself? So I'm a first-generation Iranian in the UK, um, but I moved here when I was very young. Grew up here, um, parents relatively liberal, um, and I'm currently a trainee at a city law firm. Lovely. What would you say feminism means to you? For me, at its source, feminism is just choice for everyone. So whether it's yeah. a man choosing to stay at home, a woman choosing to wear whatever they want, it's it's just that choice that's not judged and it's not you know put under the microscope. It's just whatever that person wants to do. So essentially just freedom yeah. to do whatever you want. Freedom of choice and freedom of opportunity. Yeah. That sounds like a... That's something I've not had before when I've asked other people who've come onto this show because, for me, the basis of it is just equality, but I never saw it from that angle. Yeah. The way you put it is really interesting. I think I used to put it that way, and then I started coming... You know, I have friends, for example, female friends, who've chosen to stay at home to bring up their children, and they got a lot of slack from, like, friends, kind of... It's the other way around now, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's frowned upon. Yeah. So I think, for me, it got to the stage where I was like, well, actually, it, it sounds, in my head at least, hypocritical to be like, oh, I think, for me, feminism is just equality without accepting everything that comes with it. Yeah. So for me, it's become a... There's as a long as you layer. have an equality of opportunity... Yeah. ...and a freedom of choice, then... Everything is encompassed in that. Yeah. And equality also is interlinked with freedom. So I guess that's that's an interesting way to put it. So political correctness, I'm going to be very safe here and go with the Oxford Dictionary (laughs) definition because I don't want to be, you know, ruffling any feathers here. Political correctness is the avoidance of forms of expression or action that are perceived to exclude, marginalise or insult groups of people who are socially disadvantaged or discriminated against. I mean, that's a very loaded term, isn't it, in itself? Just based on that, I guess, that's going to set the scene for the rest of the episode. But would you say political correctness as a concept is important? I think it depends on how you're interpreting it. So if political correctness is being used as a shield to say, I'm right and you're not, and that's the end of the conversation, then no. But if it's a case of, I'm going to respect someone else's traditions, culture, choices, then yeah. It, it, it depends how you're viewing that word. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with that. And there is a sentiment that we are becoming, as a society, a collective society, quite hypersensitive, and that people get very easily offended over anything. So that's what anti-PC, the anti-PC brigade, as they, they like to call themselves, seem to use as a defence for why political correctness has gone too far. Um, and I think, as you said, 
it's about accepting um, responsibility. So it sort of takes the blame away from individual responsibility and accountability and makes it seem like wider society's flaw um, and that the individual therefore no longer holds any responsibility for their actions and their words and how their words may make someone else feel. So I think I would go a bit further than that. Okay. In that I think certainly from having spoken to people who maybe are a bit more anti PC, the view I get from them, and I, I agree in certain circumstances that actually people just use being not PC as a way of shutting down conversation. Yeah. So, so it's, you know, and, and I've heard it myself in my, you know, I'm in a, so I'm doing a training contract with sort of 70 other people yeah. sort of across two years, and you have a, many younger people who in conversation will literally be like, oh, well, that's not PC. And then there's no That's conversation, which is conversation. which is ridiculous because yeah. you should be able to at least academically discuss anything. Yeah. But it has come to the point where I think there is a strong polarization of two different extremes. So we've got the anti-PC people and then the PC people, yeah. and they're both and very no, extreme. And no one actually yeah. discusses the merits of the argument. It just no, becomes, no, do yeah. you agree with me or do you not agree with me? And that, I think, you, you lose something very important in discourse yeah. when you're not actually discussing the merits of something. Regardless of how, you know, it could, it could be something really um, controversial. It could be, you know, racism or slavery or whatever it is. Yeah. You should still be able to have that discussion. Yes, have that open discussion. At a base level. Um, and I think that at least... From what I can see, yeah. there's a lot less discussion than when you and I were, were at university. Yes, definitely. People are less open because they're so scared of the backlash they'll receive, receive just by saying, perceived to say something that's con slightly controversial. Exactly. So yeah, that is really, really important to highlight, I think. And the whole concept of virtue signaling, I, th I don't think it's just limited to people who are politically correct, but also to p people who are politically incorrect. They want to virtue signal based on their views. And there's this right or wrong way of having opinions. And it's just like, People are boxed in. So, for example, Trump supporters or those who may have voted for the Brexit party in the UK are deemed to be politically incorrect. But that's just, you know, that's just so reductive. You're not yeah. looking at the wider picture of that person. You're just assuming they're of a certain viewpoint just based on their own personal political alignments. And that doesn't really make any sense. And as you say, it doesn't add to the argument. It just shuts no. people down. And the hilarious thing, of course, is that you're then pigeonholing, which yeah. is what political correctness is supposed to be stopping. Exactly. Um, so it's ironic, really, isn't it? <laughs> it is really important to make communication accessible to others, as you've already highlighted, and the way we can do that is if we're able to have open uh, open discussions and dialogues. So political correctness and anti-political anti correctness sort of hampers that in many respects. And it has emerged quite rapidly over the last decade. Do you think it will continue to polarise views? Um, honestly, I don't know what I think about how it's going to develop because part of me thinks that the more extreme both sides go, there must be a point at which there is a stopping point, um, whether that's through a clash or whether that's through just people realising they've gone too far. Yeah. Um, but another part of me then, you know, speaks to sort of my younger sibling, yeah. um, who is, you know, smack bang in the middle of the millennial yes. sort of age group, which you know, <laughs> technically you and I are also part of it. But, yeah. you know, he's, he's sort of in that, you know, XR movement and... Corbyn's great and all of this stuff, which is which is fine as an opinion to have. Yeah, but then but projecting when I, it on, onto other people and telling them that they're wrong if they don't, exactly. if their views don't align with yours, is very very and, destructive. And it's one of those things where I have discussions with him or his friends, and yeah. there's this 
you know, when we were at university, we were, obviously we did law, so we were encouraged to, to argue and to develop yeah. those skills yes. and to think really, really anal- analytically yes. about Be the, the about views everything. that we had. So it was very rare that you or I would go, oh, this is what I believe, without having actually thought it through. Yeah. Whereas I think we've got onto the stage, both with the anti-PC and the PC movement, that actually you're just taking on the movement's beliefs without really without questioning it. Yeah. So when you're then questioned on it... You don't really have a backup. You don't you have just a shut backup. people down. And then you shut people down. And you go no, down, you know, yeah. you're being racist, you're being a bigot, you're being sexist, whatever it is. And it's it's missing the point completely. Absolutely. It's, it's very reductive and it stops people from being able to engage with, you know, completely new perspectives. And that sort of dialogue, it, in fact, actually enables people to, you know, get a new understanding, to gain new skills, to understand something from a completely different intellectual viewpoint. And when that's stopped, it really sort of questions our ability and our intelligence um, in terms of the future generation. I mean, are they going to be as critically aware as we are at the moment and even our you know our past generations our parents are a lot more critical and and there's that moment where you're going oh if you're being so bipartisan is there a moment where you're actually going to work together towards any goal you know whatever the goal is are you going to have a discussion with the person who voted brexit if you've decided that is it you're a bigot and And then you're going to talk to you yeah. yeah and it's you know, we, we all have to live in the world together. And we all have to work together. Yes. And it's... You just have to, to be tolerant of other people's views. Even if you may not agree with what they have to say, at least listen to them. Yeah. And then say, you know, I don't really agree with you, but let's peacefully coexist, whatever, that, however that may be. But I so, think, yeah, sorry, go on. I was going to say, I yeah. think the sad thing <laughs> is that sort of when, when PC first started coming in as a, as a concept of, I guess, tolerance, let's say, yeah. you know, you, you don't call someone a slur word you don't you know not give someone a job because of their skin color whatever it was it was a big shift in in ideology and and it was a great thing because you know the reason I'm in this office at the moment <laughs> is, is probably partly owed to that fact yes. that you know actually a city law firm will hire an Iranian who was you know migrated over here 20 years ago or whatever yeah 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 right and it and it was necessary then it was necessary to protect the you know the gay person from being called a slur slur word in the office or to protect the Pakistani person or you know the black person whatever it, we we you know we needed something yeah. a movement to make an, enough of a change that people didn't just work walk around calling people names and yeah. sort of you know going as far as being physically aggressive towards people yes but exactly. we've moved and I'm not saying that that has stopped. At all, I'm saying no. it's a lot better. Yes, but we've the PC has moved on from that into just a whole other beast. Absolutely, <laughs> and in terms of its relationship with feminism, I mean, you know, there are some feminists who are quite sex- sexist, and they do shut people down in the in the vein of political correctness. So they'll say that anything that criticizes their existence as fee- as women is labelled misogynistic, but at the same time, they can be quite sexist and hurtful towards men. And it's become... Or other women who don't agree with them. Yeah, exactly. So in that sense, political correctness can be quite harmful to to the feminist movement. And would you say that's something that you've seen or... I definitely agree of? with that. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a proud feminist. I, mean, <laughs> I am, in, in the sense that <laughs> I, course, be- yeah. I believe in equal opportunity and equal choice and all of that. Um, that my other half who you've met, yes. who I would describe as a feminist because... 
of everything he believes in yeah. would not describe himself as a feminist because he associates that with, with those women anti, who are like, men. you know what, men suck, da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. like my younger brother who you've met is one of the sweetest people in the world yeah, yeah. wouldn't call himself a feminist because he associates it with that, that extreme part of the movement. And I think at that point, not only are you harming the feminist movement, which is its source, yeah. should be giving both genders or all genders a voice a yeah. voice yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Everyone should and feel the, the same it. opportunity yeah you have decided that actually unless you're this extreme version of this you're not with me so i was um so my boss at the moment he's an old school lawyer um has been a partner for the last 30 years so he's sort of was he's a seen partner. a radical shift i'm sure in his time he as has. well. yeah yeah um and he's one of the most open-minded partners i've i've met wow, and okay. he gave me an article um a couple of weeks ago and we ended up having an argument over it because the uh, the i'm gonna give myself away here um the article was about um there was some feminist who basically one of the column pieces said discussing football at work is sexist and it's on par with discussing your conquests over the weekend. And there were all these quotes about women being like, oh yeah, I feel really uncomfortable when people discuss sports. And and, and he was fully on the side of no, like etiquette tells us that we shouldn't discuss something where people are bored. Or they feel excluded. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So he's very old school charm. You know, you, you, if you are hosting a conversation, you need to include everyone. Whereas I was on the other side going... You should a you're stereotyping women there. Yeah. So you as think a feminist, women don't know anything about football. Yeah, which so is as, not true. Exactly. Yeah. As yeah. a feminist, you're saying that women don't want to just discuss sport, which is ridiculous. Then you're saying that discussing football is the same thing as discussing your sexual conquest. Conquest. In yeah. In quotations <laughs> with your female colleagues, which is completely not the same thing. And the third thing you're doing yeah. is equating just. Any conversation that someone else might not be privy to yeah. or may not understand, you're saying that is exclusionary, which is not and really it's the sexist. truth. And it's not, yeah, exactly. It's it, not true. If you're having a conversation with someone just on a one-to-one basis and you're talking about something very particular and you think, oh, I can't talk about this because it's going to exclude someone else who's sitting across the room. Well, not really, because no. you're having a private conversation with someone, you know? Exactly, Again, and it's, it's that moment of sort of blurring the line between what you think is etiquette and politeness yeah. with what is sexist. And I think it, it demeans actual sexism then. Yeah. Because you're going, you know what, I don't, I don't enjoy football, to be honest. I'd probably walk away from a conversation yeah, about yeah, football. Yeah. Or if I was having a conversation, you know, if we were with a load of friends, you and I know law, and I was talking about law with you, and I could see one of them was getting bored, we'd probably change, change the subject. subject yeah. But that's the point of etiquette. Yes. It is not sexism. What is sexism is a person not getting a job because they're a man or a woman. Exactly. You know, what is You've sexism got to know is the distinction. Yeah. someone going on paternity leave yeah. and people making comments about him being whipped, which I've heard. Yeah. Like, that's yes. sexist. That is, yeah. Discussing football at work... Is in no way sexist. And I don't it think it's sexist. Demeans the women who want to have that conversation. Yeah. I mean, if you think it's sexist, then as you said, you are stereotyping women. Yeah. Saying they don't know anything. They have Which no is sexist you know, in football itself. knowledge. Exactly. So it becomes a vicious cycle, really. So we do have to tread very carefully. And again, political correctness comes into play here because if he didn't have the understanding of being politically correct, um, your boss, then he would perhaps not have thought about football being exclusionary to other people. So. It's interesting to think about it in that way. It doesn't mean we need to shut down conversations about football in the workplace because we, we're so scared that people are going to feel excluded. But if if there were, hypothetically, to be a scenario where you were talking with a group of young men about football and there were you know a couple of women who were perhaps outnumbered by the men, 
you know, you might start off talking about football, but then realise that no one else, the other two women, aren't really participating. So then you change the subject. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the point of just etiquette. Exactly. It's not the same thing (laughs) as sexism. It really isn't, Um, no. And I I have to say, sort of, not to be the, the feminist that goes, you know, men need to be given the benefit of the doubt, but I think there is just so much that we are now throwing into the workplace sphere that it is affecting the, the working relationships between men and women. Yes, I think, to especially the after the Me Too movement, some men are actually afraid of being in, in a room just with one woman. That's dangerous, but it's also bad for our career prospects. Yeah, you know, if I yeah. can't... You know what? I'm in corporate law. <laughs> Most of my bosses are men. If I yeah. cannot go for a drink with my boss... Or if I can't go for a lunch with my boss without either people talking about, ooh, what might it be? Yeah. Or people saying, you know, it's not politically correct. Or my boss saying it to the point where they don't feel comfortable doing it in case someone talks. Yeah. yeah. That basically means that that's one less opportunity for me to network. It's one less opportunity for me to, you know, discuss my ideas outside of the very stringent work environment it's, it's one less like less opportunity for me to just get to know my boss on a personal level and build yeah. those sort of fundamental like relationships that we have that which are so important fuel the rest of our lives it's, yeah exactly and political correctness actually started off as a bit of a pr campaign where it was used by fe- a lot of feminists to designate language and sentiment they favored because it allowed them to avoid you know objective facts or personal opinion that ran against their own beliefs and ideologies so especially in relation to sex or you know human biodiversity so if you think would you say that it's still as important to feminism to have political correctness within the framework i think political correctness has its place yeah in that in in not just in feminism just generally in that marginalized groups need to be protected yes and cultures need to be respected so you know if i go into a church i make sure my knees and my shoulders are covered yes if i'm you know in a muslim person's household and they want to pray i respect that that is part of the political correctness movement and as you said it's etiquette as well just respect yeah it's respect it's etiquette and it's it's sort of taking us out of that ignorance of oh i don't know anything about this culture so i'm just going to beat them down and not agree with anything they say exactly so in that sense you know the the fact that we now appreciate more what a working mum's work-life balance has to be owes part partly in fact is owed partly to the political correctness movement. So there, yeah. there will always be a... So people have benefited from it in a good way. It's not that they've taken advantage of it. They've genuinely benefited from it. And we want a society that's equal and, and fairer. Yeah. And political correctness has helped us to achieve that so far, I would yeah, say. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's given us sort of that insight into what we don't know. But I think where it is now, where it is now it is more of a harmful factor than a benefit, personally for me. Yeah, I think in in some respects, because it's been equated with, you know, not being able to have free speech, because we live in a free society, we live in a a democracy in the Western world, and a lot of people think their speech is being policed, and the media, essentially, the mainstream media, are so politically correct that it's now borderline fake news, but the thing is we can't really distinguish between right-wing media outlets or left-wing media outlets, because a lot of them... Both on both sides seem to be pushing out fake news. Exactly. So I mean, where do you draw the line? You know, so 
and and we are so polarized in our viewpoints in our politics in our understanding of wider society in our cultural um, affiliations and things like that and it's just becoming as it's, it seems as though the center ground is no longer but there existent. is no center ground yeah in in any sphere and and when pe- when people sort of say there is a center ground it's because they're being PC and not being honest about what they actually believe do you think so i i definitely Honestly. think so. i because, genuinely oh, think it's gotten so to strange. that point because if you get a couple of drinks into someone and then have the conversation, well, the with truth them again, comes out. The truth comes and it's out. It's a completely different viewpoint. And and what I was going to say is, for me, the worst thing about political correctness, to the extent that he's gone, is not even like, you know, I, I love I love an argument. I love the discourse. Yes. All of it. It's yeah, not yeah, even yeah. that though, because you know I still surround myself with people where I can where I can do that and I have my safe, <laughs> you know, quote unquote to use the, the, the t- safe, Your safe space. space. Yeah, <laughs> but I do. I have my friends who are not going to be insulted if I'm like no, you're wrong, and they're not going to go off crying. <laughs> you're laughing about this, but I've come Honestly, across people, people who are, do, yes. yeah, who's people so really sensitive offended. about it. Yeah. But the worst bit of it is the fact that people now hide behind PC. So you don't know what a person's intentions are anymore. If you say something like, um, what would you say? Like, I don't think that, you know, um, Muslim people should be allowed to enter a club because of their religious yeah. viewpoints and they probably wouldn't feel safe or like they belonged in a in a nightclub and someone could turn around and say well I think that's very politically incorrect because you're excluding someone but then in saying that they may not actually express how they really feel because they may actually agree with that person's viewpoint and think yeah. yeah Muslim people shouldn't be in a nightclub but they may not view that yeah. or voice that sorry because they're so scared of the reaction that wider society will hold them to account for and you know start vilifying them and I think it stops people actually holding others accountable. Yeah. So, and the reason I'm saying this is actually a few months ago, and I'm not going to give exact details because I think... It's inappropriate. It's inappropriate <laughs> and it's not my place to discuss someone else's experience. Um, but basically, um, two of my colleagues sort of got into a, a discussion over sort of what is racist and what isn't racist over a very particular scenario, and they dragged me into it. So I was like, fine, tell me what happened. Yeah, let's, yeah. Let, you know, we're all having a discussion. Yeah, we're all let's sort of, talk about we're it. We're the same cohort. We're, we're colleagues. We're all supposed to be, you know, cooperative and all this nonsense, yeah. right? So let's have a t- chat about it. And basically, it got to the point where because I didn't side with one, that person basically went, well, then you, you must be a racist. No. And I was that, like... That's just so reductive. The scenario you're not- that you're describing, though, is a scenario in which an Iranian person is discriminated. Yeah. And I'm telling you, I don't think it was discrimination. And I was called racist. <laughs> for not speaking. Even though you are Iranian. Yeah, yeah and it was... So. And it was, and, and then I was told that, you know, if, if the scenario had been, like, another race, I wouldn't have had the right to comment on whether it was racist or not. So the person turned around to me, like, you know, if this has been, you know, if this was Chinese, da 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 And I went, well, no, it's still it's the same still scenario. The same it's not the same and, yeah. and she turned around and went, you are not Chinese you do not get to decide what is racist or not. And I remember immediately thinking, if this is the world we're going to live by, it means that no when one. someone is being racist against a Chinese person, I'm not allowed to say anything and to bring that person because up and say... Because of political correctness. Because I'm not Chinese and I'm not allowed to have a view on it. Yeah, we've got a very warped perception of what is right and what is wrong, again. And who's allowed to have an opinion. Political correctness, yeah, exactly. Like, do you remember a time where you were told what opinion you were allowed to have? 
I honestly don't. I don't think, have I ever been told that? I mean, it's been implied, certainly, in, in, in the work context as well as at home, both both sides. But no one's actually challenged me in a way which, which has said, you know, you're completely wrong, therefore you need to change your opinion. But I've had people who strongly disagree with me in, in many respects. And even with my partner, we sometimes have disagreements on, on, political, on political topics as well and subjects. But I actually like that. I like people challenging my views because it enables me to understand something that, I might not have been introduced yeah. to before, so I'm really open to new discussions. And to develop your ideas. Yeah, and to talk to people who have completely different viewpoints to mine. And I'm really trying at the moment to sort of come out of my echo chamber because I feel like I'm so stuck in it at the moment based on, you know, the sources I look at for news outlets and things like that. And I'm trying to change that so I can talk to people with perhaps completely different, completely antithetical viewpoints to my own. So I think that is really important. I think feminism as a concept needs to find strategies which enables it to look at ways of it including other people on um, into the conversation of feminism and again as we both mentioned before a lot of people especially men or those who identify with a different gender don't feel as though feminism is inclusive towards them that's and that's it's dangerous no it's because it's not anymore because of political correctness i mean <laughs> not just because of political <gasps> correctness but because of uh, because of how uninclusive the feminist movement has become. I mean, I know women who will not call themselves feminists. It's not yeah. just, you know, they've, yes. they've decided that feminist means man-bashing woman. Man-bashing or um, being sexually promiscuous. So a lot of religious friends that I have don't deliberately don't associate themselves with feminism because they understand it as a, a very Western construct that is essentially about being sexually promiscuous and just being rowdy and unfeminine, basically. Mm. So yeah, it's really that. weird that, that that concept exists. Um, and so they disassociate themselves from but it's feminism. because the feminist movement would also call them not feminist, right? Yeah. Because... They are not respecting their bodies. They're not respecting their bodies and they're not prescribing to a certain sort of, you know, why would I stay at home and look after my husband and why would I do it, you know, look after my family or whatever it is. Whereas my version of feminism is, no, that person gets to do that because it's they their want choice to, they want to, do, to do, it do it and they yeah. want to do it. Yeah. And you get to dress however you want because that's the choice that you've made and you get to stay at home if you want and look after your children. You get to go to work and hire a pet. Like, you get to do whatever you want, but that's not the feminist movement that we're dealing with anymore. No. And the response that people get when they don't agree with someone is that, oh, you're someone who's very... Um, you know, you, you, you're looking at the wider picture, you're very ignorant, you're this, you're that, the yeah. other. and you've been brainwashed. Yeah, things like that. Well, it's just like, well, why don't you take a step back and look at the, the bigger picture here? And people don't seem to want to do that. There's no willingness to, you know, take a step back and look at the other side at all, you know, so... I mean, I think at, we're coming back to the discourse. Thing, at aren't at we, its really? core, yeah, it's about you know. Ultimately, feminism should be about protecting vulnerable people, including men and women as well, because it is about equality and it is about freedom of choice. So, I mean, let's take an example. Do you think it's appropriate to be called attractive by a work colleague? Again, I think it's grey. I don't think it's black and white. You know, no, I, it's not. I met my fiance at work. <laughs> I did. Right. And a but, lot a lot of romances develop at work because you spend so much time at work. Exactly. So. so if after a few weeks of me obviously flirting with him and he's <laughs> obviously flirting this with is, me. There's a double standard here because women are allowed to flirt. But men are not. Yes. Yeah. But 
it was clearly, you know, both parties were engaging in this. Yeah. For him to have called me attractive, yes, fine. If my boss, who holds my career in his hands, yes. calls me attractive, then no, that is a definite red line. And thereby implicated that your career progression was dependent yeah. on his opinion of you and the way he treated you, and that's something Or that's, if a colleague, you know, turns around... compromised, yeah. Or, or if a colleague sort of, you know, about the same age maybe even, turns around, know, knows that I have someone I've given no indication that I'm interested you know I've, I've just been a colleague right then turns around to me and goes oh I think you're really attractive <laughs> then that's without any context whatsoever yeah. the same way I that mean, it wouldn't matter if it's in the workplace or outside the, the same way that yeah, if I was in the street in, and a random cold. person straight came up to me and was like oh you've got a nice butt I'd be annoyed <laughs> I'd be like yeah well it's not for you for you to look at, you know, whatever. <laughs> but it's well, this is it's the, the thing, context it? in which all of this happens. It's never a straight black and white answer. No, it's not. And but it is really interesting looking at it like that. But then in a different context, say for example, you're going to a Christmas party or a summer party, and everyone had dressed up, and a male colleague of yours who you know you have a purely platonic relationship with just happened to comment and say, "You look really nice. Your outfit looks really nice." I think that's fine. That's acceptable, and I would find that acceptable. Yeah. I wouldn't think I was anything if he wrong said, with it. Oh, I think you're really hot. Or, or I it's about the that. language as well. Yeah. yeah, but no, you look lovely. Why if it's not? demeaning language, but if it's neutral, it's it's acceptable. So again, but then a lot of people who are overly PC, who are overly polite, would look at that and say that's inappropriate in any given context in the workplace because it's in the workplace. So that's an extreme view. It's an extreme view, and it sort of. I think it shuts down the opportunity to sort of get to know people. I exactly. Mean, so I count among one of my closest friends. <laughs> One of my one of my first bosses and her husband and I and my other half and me all go out <laughs> together for for lunch or for dinner. Still. Oh really? But Is that your ex boss? It's my ex boss. Okay, yeah. yeah. But yeah. it started when I was yeah, yeah, working yeah. for. I mean, for, that, for her. Yeah. So maybe it was a bit different because she was a woman. I don't know if yeah. if, if if she had been a man, she would have behaved the same way. Right. Maybe he, she would have been worried about. It comes back to the the first thing I was saying about you know if a boss feels like they cannot go out with their colleague because they're a man and she's a what woman. What are the people going to think about it? Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but I think if you're going along the lines of, you know, if she, if she ever says anything like you look nice to me and it must be like horrible and you should never say anything like that, it closes that door to, to having those relationships. You know, if, if I was going to be completely PC with her 24-7. Mm, it and, would. And I, mean, I don't mean PC as in polite and considerate and respectful. I mean, PC is in this extreme, extreme version, version that we've been discussing. Yes, exactly, exactly. Then there is no way yeah. that our families would... Would interact, Have yeah. this relationship. Yeah, and that is really important at, at the core because you need to have, you know, our happiness ultimately derives from having solid human relationships and that thing should not be forgotten ever. But... The, the type of um, political correctness, so the brand of political correctness that we've been talking about today is very different to what we probably would have considered would be politically correct maybe a decade or so ago. It was a completely different concept. And at its core, I think we can both safely agree that political correctness is important and it should exist, you know, in the, in the home and, yeah. and pub, in the public sphere as well. But the type of political correctness that we're seeing, the extreme form of it, is very counterintuitive to enabling free speech and, and enabling people to have opinions about things which are which stray away from the mainstream you know and it's as though people are having to identify with either one or the other they seem to be these polar polarized binaries that we need to be able to conform to, towards and if we don't we're we're, consi we're otherized or we're considered 
you know, taboo or we consider that we're inappropriate and therefore we, we're on the other side, essentially, even though that's not necessarily the case and we... You yeah, know, I agree. Opinions exist in a continuum. You know, it's it's not one or the other. Yeah. And it makes it harder for you to make your point as well. Yeah. If you're not even going to have a discussion with that person and create an environment in which they can give their actual opinion, you can never convince them that their opinion is wrong if that's what you you believe. Yeah. And I think the brand of political correctness as it exists currently in 2020, you know, it, it absolutely endangers free speech in a lot of scenarios because people are tiptoeing and they are wa- walking on eggshells a lot of the time because they're so afraid of offending people. And that's quite scary because you don't want to be able to do things like that. And it creates a lot of impulsive and, and short-sighted reactions to certain, you know, buzzwords or phrases or triggering terms I guess and these reactions sometimes occur at the expense of critical thinking and being able to challenge your views because you're so over consumed by someone saying something that's made you feel bad you're not actually looking at this from a you know looking at it from an objective perspective because you're associating everything with your own personal dilemma or your own personal experience so or even just what you think is right is right yeah without having ever thought about it yeah, and also, as you mentioned, I think you touched upon it, some people have expressed that the view that political correctness is actually counterintuitive because it, instead of a feminism which engenders equality, i.e. include everyone in the conversation, regardless of whether they're female, male or you know, non-binary, um, it seeks to place a lot of the time some women above men and ignores the struggles of men. So, for example, there's this anti-feminist campaign group called Justice for Men. I don't know if you've heard of it. I mean, they're very extreme. I'm, I would not affiliate myself with them. But just to give you an example, they what are their beliefs? have campaigned for men to retire earlier. And they've said that women work um, not as hard. And because men die earlier than and women, they need to be elevated and another, you know, a Brexit MP, Anne Widdicombe, she's got very extreme views, as we all know. But she said that, you know, women know how to milk it. And she's used, she used the example of wolf whistling. She said that, you know, a few years ago, if your wolf whistled up, you know, you just you just took it with a pinch of salt and you dealt with it and you moved on. She was like, now it's, it's too extreme. People are, you know, easily offended by it. It's just like a momentary thing. And the, but that's just like the perfect example of, of a PC not... That's a perfect example of PC basically doing the opposite of what it's trying to do. Yeah. So I kind of understand the point she's saying. Yeah. Because I remember sort of, what, five, six, seven years ago when wolf whistling was happening. Yeah. I would have been a teenager. It was a trend. It was a trend. And I remember at points, if I was alone by myself and it was getting a bit dark or whatever and it would happen, yeah. I'd feel uncomfortable. Right? Just because, you know, we'd be yes. brought up yes, to be like, you know, you are the girl, you have to protect yourself. Yes. You have to, and, 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 you know, that's a narrative I have an issue with. Absolutely. It is your responsibility to take care of yourself as opposed to teaching the men not to do that. Yes. Right? Like, my brother never got told, yeah. you know, don't wolf whistle. I mean, he doesn't, but he was never told, <laughs> was don't never wolf told. whistle women. Yeah, whereas yeah, I yeah. was told, you have to be careful, right? But I remember, you know, six, seven years ago being told, be careful, and hearing the wolf whistle and feeling uncomfortable, but never doing anything about it, right? And so I get the point that she's making of... No, sorry, I don't get the point that she's making and, and her saying, you know, PC has gone to the point where actually you know, people, people don't want to do this. Yeah. So I get that. Yes. But in the same vein, what you're doing is is elevating wolf whistling now. So yeah. it's like, ooh. It's, it's a very naughty, thing, terrible but, thing. Yeah. Which it is. It's, it's inappropriate. But the the anti-PC people will immediately be like, oh, the PC people want this just because they're PC. Yeah. And they won't 
engage with the conversation. And why, at its core, it's still a thing. Why it won't actually explore both sides, whether you're anti-PC or PC, won't actually look at the core issue of why wolf whistling is still normalised and how we can, what we can do to counteract it because they're too caught up in virtue signalling yeah, on their yeah, own side. Yeah, exactly. And sort of having this media bashing contest, which doesn't help either side it's and that's why sensationalism yeah and this as a result of that we've got donald trump in power and we've got brexit because of the the whole well yeah PC it's a movement a lot of people argue PC and yeah. sort of the, the establishment the establishment yeah an american author called lionel shriver i recently read this economist article and he was quoted in it and he said that we were all drunk on virtue and I think the whole political correctness movement in its form, how it currently exists today, is very much something that embodies that. Yeah, I don't know it's if very holier than that. Yes, absolutely. Um, but I don't think it needs to necessarily be one or the other. You, know, you don't have to identify with being politically correct or being politically incorrect, because I think consciously as individuals, there are aspects of our um, opinions which are going to be offensive to other people, but we may not necessarily voice them, you know. So, and having that boundary, knowing when it when it's likely to offend someone, and stopping yourself from saying something is perfectly fine. But I think it's really important to also acknowledge the fact that we are human beings, and we are likely to say things that are going to affect other people in a negative light. But it's about being able to control those emotions and making sure you don't say anything that's going to affect other people in a negative way. Essentially, yeah, I agree so, with that. I don't think the whole virtue... I don't think you need PC-ness for that, though. No, you don't. That's just general... General. Just being a a human being. A decent human being. Yeah. But I think we all come with our flaws. Being able to put yourself into someone else's shoes. That's what it is, right? Yeah. And I think... I mean, I think you and I will disagree about this, but I think the PC movement has made it so that you never have to put yourself in someone else's shoes because the decision has already been made for you. Yes, absolutely. No, I agree with you on that point. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those things where... It's like, being, yeah. Sorry, being typical privileged person. Yeah. So excuse me for this comment. I think I'm a le- relatively liberal, liberal person. Yeah. So my viewpoint on life generally is just as long as you are not harming anyone else, you should be able to do whatever you want. Yes. Whether that's in your home, outside of the home, you know, in the work context, in the school as context. Long as, yeah. As long as you a- are not going out of your way to hurt someone. I think what PC does is that it decides for you what the hurtful things are and what the hurtful messages are, which aren't necessarily hurtful. It might just be that that's the most in vogue thing at the time. Exactly. But it also means that, you know, that, that flexibility and that fluidity in how we interact with each other as human beings becomes a very solid mass of it is either this or it is why. Yeah. And if you are why... That is it. There's no more conversation about it. That's the it. end, yeah. And I think that, that to me, is just the most illiberal thing ever. It I, is, You know, yeah. I come it's from a country ironic. where the papers are censored, books are, you know... If you want to get a book that's not censored, you get it on the black market. Yeah. And for me, freedom of speech is such an important thing. That, that idea that you have your opinion. It doesn't matter if you agree with me or not. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Have, I, I know people who, you know, have voted Brexit or who voted Trump and... You know, the Trump thing, for example, I have a massive issue with. Yeah. But if I couldn't have that conversation with them, as far as I'm concerned, I've done the disservice. Yes, you have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not the other person who voted for Trump. It's me who's, yes. who's 
brought down the discourse. Do you know what I mean? Yes, it's really interesting that you say that because the example you you put forward earlier about the colleagues you were just having a discussion with about someone who the subject was Iranian and a comment was made about them and they were and, and the people immediately said, oh, this was racist. But as being an Iranian woman, you wanted to be part of the conversation. You said it wasn't racist. But the thing is, as you said, they were making that decision for you. So it's like people are saying, making these statements without actually consulting the, the, the people who are affected by these sorts of statements. Yeah. And that's really, really reductive. And it's not, you know, it, political correctness has just become something that's, only about elevating the people who talk about it yep. so they can feel better about themselves yeah, exactly. a lot of the time. And it's not actually about the source thing because it's, I'm not going to use any rude words, but you know, using the F word in relation to a gay person, yeah. that is a slur. You should yeah. never use it. Yeah. Political correctness in that sense, great, right? Referring to a person as gay has now become such a controversial I thi- thing I think it's controversial and it's gone yes. to the extreme so you, this is this is the thing where I'm saying but it's, it's an objective PC, yeah, statement this, when this, you say someone's gay they're gay yeah you know, how else they identify you... as gay they have yeah. told me they identify yeah. as gay so how, why can I not describe them as gay but this is my point of like I don't think political correct- correctness as it stands is a force for good no I mean it depends on the context in which it's used but Agree, agree. I think we both agree that we we should be implementing socially conscious language that doesn't offend anyone. Um, but the, the desire has to be from a genuine perspective and, and, a, and a willingness to be respectful towards other people rather than just having this obligation to adhere to these yeah. sets of principles just because they're, you know, deemed to be the most politically correct thing. or the, For the day. Yeah. Or and it should be about the language you're using and not the topic of conversation. Yes. Yeah. But it is also very important for us to, to be able to take ownership of our of our words and our and understand how our language, the language that we use can affect someone. But I think being politically in, being overly politically correct actually strays away from that, takes away from that because you know, you're being censored by this ideology of how you're supposed to behave so much so that you're unable to think for yourself. I so agree. what's the point? I agree. So we've had quite a productive discussion so far. So, so in the feminist discourse at the moment, do we think it's important to iterate that just being anti-PC as opposed to being politically correct to engage people into thinking that free speech is associated with being anti-PC is actually counterproductive? Or would you say it's necessary? Because I wouldn't necessarily equate being anti-PC with free speech. Because I think being politically... No. You can be both politically no, no, correct no, no. and also have free speech. Yeah, but there's a balancing exercise yeah, there, yeah, isn't yeah. there? It's Look, it comes back down to the, the comment we just made about it being about the language you use as opposed to the topic of conversation. Yeah. So you can discuss a really controversial conversation. Let's say you, you, you know what, you can discuss race, right, which everyone gets very het up about, or class, <laughs> right? Yeah. But if you are using... If you're not using the slur words, you're being politically correct in the choice of language. Yes. You can still but have still that make conversation and yes. you can still have that the argument even. If you're if you're on different sides of the argument, yeah. that's not the problem at all. Yes. It's more you're not, you know, referring to someone in a derogatory way. Yes, exactly. So being neutral in your language and approach, but still being it's able to make words a point. That, yeah, it's just choosing and maybe maybe as lawyers we kind of are a careful. lot more aware of this. Yes. But it's it's more your choice of words yes. as opposed to what what it is that you believe so for example using anti-pc language as a defense mechanism for 
free speech, but in reality, it's actually hate speech because you're abusing yeah, someone exactly. online on, on the basis that you're, you know, you're trying to avoid being overly politically correct because that's just policing language. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's I mean, using a negative It's kind light. of like, let's take Trump as an example. Yeah. And I'm going to, I can say this because I'm just literally going to paraphrase what he said. Yeah. Yeah. He said all Mexicans are rapists. Yes. Right. And he was trying that. to make a bigger point about immigration. Yeah. Right. So you can have a conversation about immigration without calling anyone a racist. So he could have said something like immigration is, you know, it affects cohesion in society. Yeah. Instead it's of an saying, issue and, yeah. you know, it's something that I'm going to definitely, um, my platform is going to be combating immigration and making, he could have been as hardline as he has been on immigration without slurring an entire race exactly and stereotyping exactly without actually having any backup to yeah. support his to exactly. support his claim you, you can have that exact same conversation without offending a whole nation <gasps> oh my god and um, you're bigot yeah and this is the thing with anti-pc so a lot of anti-pcs will trivialize domestic abuse rape lgbtq rights and identities by joking about it and then when when people challenge them on it they'll say oh well you can't take a joke but it can be very very abusive and very uh, hurtful towards that protected group or that protected characteristic so of course it can be you know it is about essentially protecting those basic human rights and basic human decency so political correctness when used correctly is a force for good but yeah when used in in the form that it is today in its extreme form it actually isn't being politically correct i think it's it's literally just virtue signaling for the sake of it i agree i mean it goes back to the feminism isn't what feminism actually is pc exactly. is no longer what pc, PC is supposed means. to be yeah. yeah so so finally i mean instead of being defensive with anti-pc language do you think we should be constructive in our approach to the challenges women face to live in a fairer society yeah I mean, look, the way I approach is I don't shy away from any conversation. Yeah. But I'm always very, very aware that the way I discuss something needs to be inclusive. Yeah. So if I'm having a conversation with, say, an older generation about LGBT rights, I can have that conversation. But expect that. And I should have that conversation. But I need to be respectful of the response I'm going to get. Because of the time period in which they grew up. Yeah. You know, it's and I need to different. be careful that, you know, I don't I don't call them anything that's going to upset them. You can have that conversation, <clears throat> you can have that yeah. discourse. Or if I'm having, you know, a conversation about women's rights with, you know, someone who maybe in their part of the world hasn't ever had to think about it before, I can have that conversation without calling them backwards. And to give you an example, recently I was with a very elderly relative. And we're on the tube together and there was, um, you know, a same-sex couple holding hands. And when we got off the tube, she said to me, why were they holding hands? Like, that's disgusting. And I said, why do you think that? And she said, well, they could definitely do that at home in the private sphere because no one would be seeing that. But they shouldn't be, be displaying that in public. And my initial reaction, I didn't vocalise on this, but my initial reaction was to be like, you are so homophobic, like, this is ridiculous, why would you say that? But then I took a step back and I thought, well, this person grew up in a completely different time period to me where being gay was, it was just not widely accepted. So for her to see something coming, you know, having grown up in that sort of context, to see something so visual in the in public is probably going to be quite traumatising because yeah. simply and she's I'd just not used to it. that that person would have also had, maybe not as much of an issue, but would have had an issue with a boy and a girl. Essentially, yeah, exactly. Or, you know, kissing in public. Yeah, like, you know, that's for the bedroom. That's yeah, not for... it's not for the... Yeah, not for being being on the tube. Yeah. So, 
But yeah, just I think that's a good example of just you know taking a step back and appreciating why someone might have a certain might have a certain opinion, and if you don't agree with it, ask them you know why they have that opinion, and then perhaps present your your own opinion and explain why it is yeah. you think that you think you don't you don't agree with them. So I think that sort of you know you were, you were asking me before whether I think. Um, so the anti-PC and the PC and sort of yeah. my partisanship is just going to get worse and worse and worse. Well, I think the only way it's going to not get worse and worse and worse is if people are willing to have those conversations. Because even if you end up leaving that conversation without having convinced the other person to your point of view or vice versa, yeah. you still have had a conversation with someone who's gone, ah, you're just a human. That explains We've why. Had, yeah, I understand why your, your thinking yeah. comes from that point yes. of view. It humanizes the other side. And Absolutely. It, and it makes it a lot harder for them to then go back... And then just go, oh, but they're all yeah. X, Y, or Z. Yeah. Right? Because they've had that conversation yes. with you. You're a human person then. And it's, a, you know, you can't then go home and be like, oh, but they're all women. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you categorize yeah, them, box you've them like, in. You've, you've had a conversation with them about it. And to give another example that happened very recently, um, I just finished a deal, which was very interesting, but horrific in terms of just <laughs> energy and time spent. Yeah. Like, I took two days off to sleep. I bet you were so relieved after it was done. Exactly. And um, the partner I work for, um, really lovely old school, organised drinks to thank us all. Yeah. Um, And a lunch, actually, that I'm going to tomorrow. Ooh, lovely. Um, But at the drinks, you know, he'd had a couple of drinks and everyone was talking, whatever. And and this conversation about the the, uh, football in the office came up. Oh, right. And he turned around to me in the middle of it suddenly and went, you know what, I just want to say thank you so much for having created an environment in the office that I was like, that I was comfortable with, I was really dreading getting another PC trainee that I wouldn't be able to say anything around. Really? And this isn't a partner that I think has extreme views. Like no, he's no, not, just, he's, not he's not old school in his viewpoints, you know, he's a very enlightened, I mean, I told you in that, yeah, in that conversation, he was on the other yeah, side. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but he felt that, that he had to say thank you that I wasn't basically bashing so him for having an opinion. Yeah, you let him be himself, essentially. Yeah. And I did think to myself, oh, I wonder if I had been someone else, maybe who would have felt uncomfortable even coming for drinks with me. So did you feel, um, did you feel as though you'd done something positive in the way you yeah. interacted with other people? I mean, look, I'm the, the same way with him as I am with you. It's, yeah, it's no different. It's no different because I, you know, as long as you're not like, I don't know, calling me a terrorist. <laughs> But honestly, as long as you're not using that kind of language, yeah. I can have any conversation with you. But I think it's it's obviously become so bad yeah. that, and people aren't thinking about this. Yeah. Like it's going to have a genuine impact on your life. Yes. I always ask my guests to quote an extract from a book they've recently read, whether it's something they've learned from or something they particularly relate to, um, they can share with us. Hilariously, I've recently just finished reading Handmaid's Tale, which is very apt for this conversation. Um, and I, I really, really enjoyed it. It is the perfect example mm. of the anti-PC movement reacting to the PC movement and sort of the, the world you end up with. And I won't sort of give it away for But clearly listeners. very dystopian. Very dy- well, yeah. <laughs> very dystopian. But there's two... I'm, I'm sure everyone will know sort of the premise yeah. is that um, basically the, the, the States has gone back to a very sort of... 1600s, 1800s sort of way of living. Okay. And there's no technology. Um, Men and women have a very traditional um, roles. So, you know, the man goes out, earns money. Women are stay at home. They're not allowed to own possessions. Oh, my God. They're not allowed to have money. 
Um, and you have these handmaids. So basically, there's also, along all of this, um, a fertility problem. And so you have these handmaids who have either given birth before who, or who, you know, doctors have determined are still childbearing, yeah. Yeah. Um, who are passed around... To produce... To the leading class of men to produce offspring. That's... And Very the disturbing. Handmaid's Tale is from the point of view of one such woman. Um, and there's two quotes okay. that, for me, um, were moments of sort of pure rage. When I would you read say. Those. When I read... I mean, the whole book <laughs> is sort of pure rage as a woman. I think you kind of get... Well, as a feminist, certainly, you kind of like, you know, I'm going to set this house on fire kind of thing. <laughs> um, but the first one is when... So the ha- Handmaids have to go to training school. And they get trained by these aunts. Okay. In the ways of being handmaidens. And one of them is called Aunt Lydia. And she's, she's explained to these girls how they should appreciate the world that they now live in. Okay. And she's talking about sort of catcalling and being worried about getting raped and all this stuff. And the quote is, There is more than one kind of pre- freedom, said Aunt Lydia. Freedom to and freedom from. In the days of anarchy, it was freedom to. Now you are being given freedom from. Don't underrate it. And what she's referring to is you had the freedom to do what you wanted, but you got all this sort of harassment from men and you were never safe. Yeah. And now you have the freedom from men. But you can't do what you want necessarily. But she says don't underrate it. And for right. me, that was just that very, that like moment of everything that is wrong with this world. Yeah, yeah. That... Even in this dystopian future where they're going back to sort of old school values, Centuries whatever. Ago, yeah. Um, it's still it's still the woman's problem. So it's not it's it goes back to the thing I said earlier, about you know, it's not the assault. man who's being told it's this is woman. not okay, do not do this. It's the woman who's being told you are now being you, know, you need to protect yourself yeah. or you so, are putting yourself in that position. So women are constantly, by default, having to accommodate themselves for men. Exactly. And enable that behaviour. Exactly. Continue. And, and for me, it was really poignant because I remember having this conversation with my dad when I was much younger. And, you know, my dad is a really open-minded person. And I remember him saying to me once, I'd, I mean, I was stupid. I'm not going to lie. I'd, like, walked home, basically, at, like, one in the morning at yeah. university. Yeah. And I accident let him find out and he you know had a massive go at me he was like it's really unsafe you should go on taxi blah 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 yeah. and he said to me look and, I, and it really resonated with me he said to me i wish that we lived in a world where i didn't have to tell you yeah. to be safe yeah that men understood that no means no and yeah. consent is a real thing yeah but we don't live in that world so you have to take care of yourself and i remember even then arguing back with him and saying yeah but that's not it's not fair yeah that's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair, know, so. but it's the world we live in. And, and I think facilitate that sort of behaviour to continue, and that's really, really sad to see do. that still happening. But the underlying message is still, you know... Be careful. Girls at school, you can't wear the short skirts because it's going to distract the boys, as opposed to boys, boys don't be don't. distracted because yeah. the girls are wearing short skirts. Um, and the second one, I just thought it... Like, in, in the book, it was very poignant. Okay. And so I don't know if it'll come across as well. Yeah. But this is her getting ready for bed, and she's taken off her clothes. And she says, I avoid looking down at my body, not so much because it's shameful or immodest, but because I don't want to see it. 
I don't want to see to look at something that determines me so completely. Touching. That I mean, it's, it's much more poignant in the book, but it yeah, was yeah. it was that moment of sort of. I felt that rage with her, you know, that sadness, mm. that, you know, why is it that... Your body defines you as a woman. And I don't think yeah. for men it's the same. No, it's not the same. I think women and are inherently associated with their bodies and their physicality and how they look. Yeah. Men aren't, so... Yeah, and I... And I <clears throat> and that can be empowering, but it can also be very, very disempowering as well at the same time. It can just be tiring. Yeah. You know... Constantly having to look a certain way, you know, having to please other people, feeling like you can't look a certain way, you know, and that's... Men don't have even, to deal with even that. Even having to make the choice about what way you're going to look. Yeah. Or not Not even like in the, I'm not even talking about the context of like, oh, magazines show us all their stuff yeah. that we think we have to. I'm not even talking about that context. I'm talking about just you have to be walking into a room. You are conscious that you are the woman. The way you look. You know, when I'm, you know, on a deal and literally there's no other women, there are no other women. I don't think a man would be thinking, oh. Ellie's the only girl here. Yeah. Whereas in my head, I'm going, huh. Yeah, that's what they're it, thinking. It, you know, and it's not, it's, not even, it's not even like a bad thing or a good thing, but I'm sitting in You're that room and I'm going, I'm conscious problem. I'm the only girl on this deal. I wonder why. And, you know, it's, it's something as simple as resourcing. But, yeah, yeah, You know, I'm yeah. sitting in a, in a team of, of like 15 people and there are two girls and I'm going, why is this a thing? Why? Yeah. I really, really um, like the second quote. I can't mm. wait to read the book, actually. I'm really looking forward to it. You should. I've, I've got the second one as well, so. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, well, Have my... you actually watched the series? Because I, I Well, I started watching the series. Is it an injustice and then... to the book? It's not as good. Yeah, it never is. But, but is I it? think yeah. the, the problem with this kind of book is it's all sort of internal dialogue. So a lot of it that you, like a lot of the feelings you get is all internal. Yeah. So it's hard to do that, I think, in a, in a film. In a yeah. film. Um, but I started watching it and I got busy. And then my friend was like, have you read anything by Atwood? And I was like, oh, no. But she got me the books. So yeah, I would recommend them. Well, Ellie, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time today. I've really thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Um, it's yeah, been really I've, enlightening, actually. I've enjoyed having yeah. sort of a non-PC conversation. A non-PC. I don't think we're necessarily dissimilar in our views, but the fact that we were able to address perhaps viewpoints that are slightly different to Without each other is a offended. good thing. Yeah, yeah. and and this comes without offending to, anyone. Yeah, exactly. And this is you know you were saying, oh, do you think there's any way of of doing PC and feminism is. But we've just had this is a, a conversation yeah, about yeah. you know things that we might not necessarily fully agree with. Neither of us is going to leave this offended. No. Um, and I think we've reached a really good compromise in our, yes, we have. In our viewpoints as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. So this for me is like what <laughs> the world should be like. This is what everyone should aspire to. Be like us. Engage in this type of dialogue. And now we're doing the virtue thing. <laughs> Thank you very much. I hope listeners, I hope you enjoyed the show today. Until next time, bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Brown Don't Brown podcast. If today's discussion interested you or you want to share your story, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Brown Don't Brown Podcast and on Twitter at BDF Podcast. You can also reach me on my blog at tanyasweeklydose.com. Join the conversation using the hashtag Brown Don't Brown Podcast. Please like, share and subscribe. Thank you.